even when I get down now, I look at myself and I'm like, you got through it. Like you got through it. Don't tell me that you're not going to get it through this small minor inconvenience when you got through all that. Hi, I'm Hannah. And I'm Monica. And you're listening to Cage Nation. Welcome back to Cage Nation podcast, everyone. Welcome back, Monica. Hello. We're still recording from our homes, so I hope everyone is safe inside. I know it's pretty tough, but we are still in our homes. Yeah, and we're really excited today. We have a guest. Um, Monica, you and I are in the Pacific Northwest. We have a guest today who's in Florida. Um, her name's Paige. Welcome, Paige. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm Paige. I am currently living in Florida. I was incarcerated in Florida for about six and a half years. I was sentenced to seven and a half years. And I've since been out for around seven months now. Thanks so much for being with us today, Paige, over Zoom. And, you know, it's one of the silver linings about um, the the state that we're in is that we get to communicate with people across the country. Um, and we're so grateful that you've um, wanted to be part of our show. So thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. So Paige, um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. I'm happy this, Hannah's right, that we get an opportunity to speak with people from all over. Um, so I'm happy. We have not had someone on the show from Florida yet that I know about. Um, so I'm happy that I get to hear experiences from people um, outside of the Pacific Northwest, because I think we're kind of in a bubble here with how things run. Um, so I appreciate you sharing your experience today. So starting off our show today, our question is, when does a person's sentence end? So Paige, what do you think about that? Well, for me, um, for me, my sentence, according to the Department of Corrections, ended September 5th, 2019. And as much as they would like to say that that's when your sentence ends, it, it's really not. It's, it's more of a, a long-term thing that pro will probably follow me for the rest of my life. Um, I know that for the rest of my life, my picture, my information, everything like that will be on the Department of Corrections website for Florida. You know, it's just like a constant reminder that you can never really escape this. And so for me, being only six months out, I still feel that it is a very big part of my life. And, and being a, an inmate is still very heavily ingrained in my mind that that is who you are. And that is somehow kind of how I identify even now. And, and it, it follows me into even trying to, to get an apartment, right? So I, I can't even uh, rent an apartment at the moment. I, anything under my name gets a background check, which any kind of background check is going to um, show up. And even though my crime is a, uh, a nonviolent crime, technically, people don't see that when I apply for a job or when I apply to, to rent out an apartment. All they see is that I have a first degree felony and um, most likely, or most of the time, that is the no thank you. Right there is the, the first degree felony. All right, no thank you. We don't, we don't, we don't want you here. And um, 
for many other people, I know that it, it follows them. For the rest of their lives, they deal with the stigmatism of being labeled as a felon, an inmate, a convict, all of it. And it, it's, um, it's something that being incarcerated definitely ingrains into your head as, a, as more of a dehumanizing thing of, of this is who you are and uh, this is all you'll ever be. It sounds like the the narrative around the type of crime or even the crime itself or um, the sentence that you did overshadows all of the work that you've done or even the person that you are. It's, it's like people see only one thing. Yes. And that is something that I struggled with for a long time because I graduated from the University of Florida in 2012. Um, I worked at local TV stations. I worked for very reputable radio stations. And I had accomplished so much in my life. And then um, this, my accident happened. And nobody sees those things, right? Nobody sees my accomplishments. But also, not as far as like, but no one sees me as a person um, when they look at my crime getting to know me is something else. But um, if you were to just read the newspaper, read what it said about me, or read my crime on the website and what happened, my sentence, or that I'm a felon, if you look at my background, no one knows, uh, no one knows me or um, just me personally, what I like to do, what are my interests are like that. None of that matters to people. Um, in the Department of Corrections. And since I've gotten out, it's it's more of like I'm trying to prove myself when I get out. I'm trying to not let that overshadow who I am. And I'm trying to kind of let people see that there is a different side to me. I'm not just a convict. I'm not just a felon. There, people do make mistakes. And, and so I'm just trying to you know show people that there is a whole different side of me than most people would think. I mean, even as you talk now about your crime, your incarceration, clearly it was something that took up a lot of space. It's taken up years of your life. I'm sure you've spent hours and hours, weeks and years thinking about um, that day, um, your accident, why you went to prison, being in prison. Um, And so even now, when you're trying to get some distance from that, when you're trying to define your life in a different way, it sounds like it's really hard because you're a person, you have relationships and friends and an education and a family and beliefs and lots of other things, but people aren't as concerned about that, right? They're concerned about that day um, in whatever year it was, and that somehow is going to define you for a long time and maybe forever, and that sounds like you're up against a whole lot. Yeah, it's um, it's something that when, when people get to- to, when people meet me, it's either like the elephant in the room that I have to address, or if a friend is introducing me to somebody, I feel like I feel like if it comes up in conversation, oh yeah, she was in prison, it has to be followed up with, but she's really cool, like she's she's okay, like she's not crazy, is what they have to follow it up with, and it's like that's not like a thing that you need to talk about. Like that's not the number one thing about me that's the most important. It's probably the most interesting to people because people seem to always be very interested 
about prison. Um, but for me, right, I, I have other things that are very interesting about me. And a lot of people don't focus when they talk to me on um, what I want to do after prison or what I have plans for doing. They want to talk about how prison was. And I'm, I'm all for, I've been asked the craziest questions and I'm all for ever, I'm talking about prison. Um, because I know people are interested and it's not something that most people get a first-hand account of. Um, but a lot of people do, that's the number one thing they want to talk about. They don't want to talk about like who I am or what I'm doing or anything like that. They just want to know about prison or the crime or that night or what happened and how it all you know, came about. I would imagine that part of when you said the elephant in the room, you want to get ahead of that narrative so that people aren't kind of controlling that narrative for you before you had a chance to speak about it. How do you explain incarceration to those you don't know well or people that you're new to um, or people who really just don't know enough about it? Most of the time I get the comment, is it like Orange is the New Black? Or is it like TV? Is it like that sort of environment? And I kind of... If I'm if I'm feeling a little bit shy or not wanting to share, I would literally just say yes. That is exactly what it's like. It's it's just like what you see on TV, and and really it's not. Um, but I try to convey to my friends who I feel closer to, who stuck around for it, who who have been very supportive for me. Like I describe it as just this a very heartbreaking situation for me that I don't love to relive um, if they want to ask like certain questions that's fine um, but I try not to kind of go into them like I know with my mom like with my parents and stuff it's something that I've strayed so far away from talking about with them because I spent prison holding back my emotions when I talked to my family because I knew if I broke down, my mom was going to break down. So it was like I never could fully open up to my family about it. Um, and to the most part, they don't really ask anymore. They just they, they just come to accept that I'm not really going to tell them all the deepest, darkest secrets of prison. Um, but my friends, no. I think my friends know the hurt that it caused and the pain that it caused. So most of the times I just entertain them with like funny stories because while it was horrible, there were a lot of like crazy things that happened in there. So I try not to get too far into it because I don't want people to feel sorry for me as much. I don't want them to look at me and be like, oh, like poor you, like you had to go through that. So I like to just kind of give them an overall of what it was and that it, it hurt a lot. And um, yeah. It sounds like it's tough to try to find a balance between trying to be transparent and honest about who you are and what you went through and also not trying to give someone like an entertaining story um, yeah. because I can I can understand that just even from working inside jails and prisons people are like oh like you see people get like shanked on the yard and you know they're like asking you all these crazy questions it's like well kind of but not really and and why it's easier to talk about entertaining things is because it's really traumatic that's why um it's 
the most horrible, um, emotionally painful thing. Um, it's socially bizarre and really, really hard. And so it's easier to talk about something that's like a story versus yeah. like, let me tell you my deepest, darkest day inside prison. Yeah, that's why when they when they compare it to like a TV show, I normally just let them believe that because I'd rather let you believe that than you get into like how it has emotionally scarred me, physically scarred me, like all those things. Um, I'd say like my very, very close friends have gotten that out of me. And honestly, my very close friends for me were my friends from prison. So it, it's something that we don't need to talk about all the time because we know how it was. Because you lived it and you lived it together. Yeah. What have you learned about the criminal justice system now that you've been a part of um, being arrested, going through the court process, being sentenced, doing time? What have you learned about the criminal justice system? Um, The criminal justice system for me is very inconsistent. Um, I've met people who, same crime, right? Same crime, very different times. And it's so inconsistent. And it, it, to the point where if my crime would have happened in a different place in Florida, I would have gotten a different amount of time. And so because, because my crime happened in a more rural area, the person in Miami was a more populated area, gets a lesser sentence because it's, it's more, the crime is more prevalent down there. So it's like, oh, it will give her less time because it's not really that serious as to where mine happened in a, a small college town to where it was, it kind of made big news. And so the inconsistencies of the criminal justice system, the court proceedings and everything, um, down to who your lawyer is, um, which is very unfair. I had a paid attorney, thankfully, because as a first degree felony, I faced 30 years. So if I didn't have that money to pay for a lawyer, if I had a public defender, I'm facing even more time because I don't have somebody that's uh, sticking up for me, who knows the judges very well. And that was a common conversation is to like, do you know the judge? Like, do you know her well? And I don't know, it's, it's, it's an unfair process, really. I was very thankful to have a paid lawyer in that in that aspect of it as far as yeah, sentencing guidelines it's, it's crazy because in florida um you're you're judged by a, a point point system uh, i'm not sure how it is everywhere but um you you go by point systems and so it's crazy because my point system scores me out to serving like i think i didn't even score prison time i didn't even score that i should get prison time and yet I received seven and a half years. So what, why are we differing from that? And that comes down for at least my crime, uh, which was leaving the scene of an accident involving a death. My crime itself and, and cases much like it, like a, like a DUI manslaughter or um, a reckless driving charge all comes from what I've seen comes down to um, the victim's family and how um, the victim reacts to you. Uh, if you have a, like a, a very forgiving side of, of that family, then you, you're looking at less time. If you're looking at a family that wants to see you go to prison for a long time, then 
you're most likely gonna gonna go to prison for a long time. And so just the inconsistencies of it and it's just unfair to me. Do I believe that I that I should have gone to prison? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I think that it didn't take into account the fact that not to say that I I did something and I shouldn't be punished because I had all these other accomplishments, but to look at a 22-year-old girl who has just graduated college and look at her and say, yeah, you deserve to be behind bars. You deserve to go away for seven years and and not kind of give it a second thought. Um, I think that is very, it's an, it's an unfair uh, system. Uh, and not to say that the person who didn't graduate college or didn't do anything like that, who, who maybe was just living a simple life, shouldn't, they also shouldn't. It's, it's not, I, can, I don't think you can look at somebody's life and say, you deserve to be put behind bars for an extended amount of time. I, I just don't think that putting somebody in a cell and putting somebody away from, taking everything away from them and taking their family away, their friends away, everything that matters to them and throwing them behind bars is just the appropriate action um, for, for a lot of things. It sounds like you're, you're speaking to the concept of justice itself and that we can't live in a throwaway society. We can't solve problems by incarcerating our way out of, of social justice and human rights issues. Yeah, I, I think that just throwing people behind bars doesn't help the situation. It doesn't, and from firsthand account, it does not rehabilitate the person. Um, there is a, a huge lack of, I know down here in Florida, and I, I'm sure throughout the rest of the United States, there's, there's not a huge push towards rehabilitating people and to um, kind of bettering them to get them out into the into the world and in a successful manner. It's more so a punishment, less of a rehabilitation, a, a more of a punishment of let's put her behind bars, don't really care about her, and then when it's time for her to go, it's time for her to go. We did our job. Um, so it's it's not about for me, I don't view justice that way. I would view it as more so as, yes, something was done and something needs to be done. But I don't think that it's to just throw away somebody's life because something happened, even if it wasn't a mistake, even if it was something that somebody did intentionally, um, maybe obviously regretful of it now, remorseful now, and give them a chance to change themselves. Um, give them a chance to grow and not just fall victim to prison and being stuck in a cycle of going back and forth and back and forth in the system. What do you think prison, how do you think prison benefited you? And then what did prison cost you? Um, I think that prison benefited me. <laughs> That's a... It's a, a funny question, uh, but it, there are benefits to it because um, I learned a lot about myself in there. Uh, I grew up in a, I, I 
spent my 20s in there basically uh, from 22 to 29 and so it's it's something that in those years I should have right been developing my career and all these things and yet I had all this time to sit and think um, and get to know yourself on a very personal level um, take everything out of your life take every material thing take every kind of thing that you hold on to uh, you hold on to excuses or you know just reasons why you can't do things or you don't reflect on yourself and and you put yourself in a cell <laughs> and you have nothing left to do but think and to think why you got there and how did this happen and so to that um one positive about prison is that I got to know myself very well. I got to know myself inside and out as to how I make decisions, um, my feelings, uh, past traumas, uh, even trauma that was happening to me in there, like to just kind of try and see it in a different way and just not let it consume me. Um, that's, that's one positive is that I did I did get to know myself very well um, and I got to learn things that were important to me and things that to just let go I got I learned to like let go of a lot of things because if I were to harp and stress on everything that happened to me in there oh I would be overflowed I would be so emotionally just drained uh, I learned to be very forgiving I learned to forgive lots of people. I had really, really good friends in there that did very horrible things. Um, and I still talk to them. I still contact them all the time because I learned in there that, you know, you don't, you don't give up on people. You don't give up on people and you don't, you don't, you, you stick through it with people. You don't like judge people based off of one thing that happened to them. So that's good. Like I, that, that is good for me out. And since I've been in the free world, I don't, I don't judge people. I don't kind of put in um, an idea on them already as to who they are, because I know I wouldn't want that. I don't want you to look at me and think you know everything about me. So I'm not going to judge you based on any of your um, outside appearances or anything that you have going on in your life. I know that there's a deeper story. So it gives me like a more deeper look at people and a kind of a more understanding. And then if you want to get to like negative impacts, <laughs> right? Negative impacts. It's crazy the way that prison dehumanizes you to the point where you don't see yourself sometimes as a person. I know one of my like, things that I would do to kind of not put myself there, like kind of like an out-of-body experience for me a lot of times was to kind of pretend that I had always been there, that there was no life before this. So just pretend like you've always been in prison and don't think about anything else. So it, it was a, a mental scarring years and years and years of being in there, of constantly just and at, at sometimes I felt like I was dehumanizing myself a little bit. Like I would just tell myself like, oh, like you're, you're just an enemy. Just do whatever they want. Just do whatever they say. And so the emotional scars 
are very prevalent even in my life today of I've you know I see a therapist weekly and it's probably the most exciting part of my week is to talk to my therapist as well as physical scars um my physical scars come along with my emotional scars because I know that I did a lot of self-harm to myself while I was in there um coming into it coming into prison not being somebody that would would ever hurt myself or do those kinds of things. Like I always looked at it kind of like, why would somebody do that? Why would somebody hurt themselves? And then to find myself crying in the bathroom, on the floor, and all I could think to do was to like use a razor and, and cut myself or to punch myself or to hurt myself in any other kind of way just to relieve and some kind of emotional pain that was going on so I have those scars those physical scars um also a fight and stuff like that in there those physical scars go right along with emotional scars so if I don't know who that person was you know I don't know who that person was that was fighting people and that was doing these horrible things um that was my first three years of prison were those what kinds of things and I think it wasn't until the last three years of my prison sentence that I really kind of developed my mindset and developed my life into something much more positive than what it was. I, I got out of the angry child phase and went into, okay, you can act like you didn't have a life before this, but you did. And you're going to get out. So you better think of something because you have a huge mountain to climb when you get out of here. You don't just go back to the way things were. So I, I did develop a, a sense of I needed to get my life together, um, which is more than I can say for most 20-something-year-olds I know. Uh, so it kind Both of in me, and out of prison. I yeah, mean, I know, so you know, 20-year-olds who... 20, 30, 40 year olds who, who haven't done the amount of work that you have. And we'll certainly get to talk about that. I mean, you've done an incredible amount of work on page because you wanted to, not because anyone was making you. Yeah. I mean, you, you make what it is like you make of your experience, what it is. And, and if you want to sleep all day and be depressed in there, they'll let you do that. But that, that just at a certain point that wasn't going to work for me. Uh, so it did give me a sense of, of um, determination in there of I needed, this was an uphill battle and I was going to do it because I wanted that. Um, a lot of people don't have that in there and it's sad to see. Uh, so I, I did take part in, uh, I was involved in like the canine program there and I was involved in like the little welcome committee there to kind of give people a more positive look at, into it. And I became a fitness instructor and that was at the private prison that offered all those things. Like the state ran prisons did not offer those things. So when I got to the private prison is when everything kind of started to move in a positive direction for me. I joined Toastmasters and that's something that's not offered at most prisons. So I was very lucky to get a chance to go there and to kind of reroute my life and to kind of get it on the path of that I knew I needed for when I got out. So there's positives and negatives. I'm sure the negatives there's much more negatives but the the strength of the positives in there were something that even when I get down now I look at myself and I'm like you got through it 
Like you got through it. Don't tell me that you're not going to get it through this small minor inconvenience when you got through all that. So it's, it's something that, um, I, I, you know, I, I'm proud of myself a little bit. So. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot to be proud of Paige. You've survived, um, a lot of things that people will never have to experience. Um, and you've came out the other side and you have a positive outlook on wanting to change and wanting something better for yourself and having goals. Um, you're kind of walking us through lots of things being, you know, what your experience was like being incarcerated and being on the inside. So what has it been like releasing back to the community um, after several years of being taken out of the community? What's it been like for you? Well, my, I'm very lucky to have a super supportive family. Um, that is something that is very crucial, I think, in reentry is to just have a supportive system. Thankfully, I have my family and I have a core group of friends that I had from before I went to prison who are still my friends. Um, not to mention the friends that I made in prison, who I know I have one good friend is still my very best friend now. We work together and that is something that's very important to me is as having her. Um, I have uh, another good friend. She lives a little bit farther away, but we all have similar charges. So we try to be there for each other because we have a shared trauma, right? So we know like what it's like. And my family's accepting. Now, and as, as positive as that environment can be, it's still um, hard for me to kind of play catch up. I feel like there's just a lot of things. I'm very savvy with like technology and things like that, which for people who have done longer sentences, that's something that's very hard for them to get accustomed to. But for me more so, it's, it's just about feeling accepted. I know that I'm accepted by my family. I know that even though I'll, I'll have those days where I, I don't feel that, and I'll feel like, you know, they look at me a certain kind of way, um, but I know that those are just the negative thoughts in my head. Uh, but as far as like jobs and stuff, it's been very hard for me to try to move forward. Um, I have a job that I received while I was at work release. And so those people know that I went to prison. They know my, my story and they were very accepting of it. They gave me a job. But I know in my heart, that I can do better. I know that I can do better and I know that I want more for myself, but it's hard to get there when you have to overcome that obstacle of telling it, or explaining to a job the, what happened. Not everybody is ex as accepting. Um, so I think that's kind of where my mind kind of turned into, okay, you, if you can't accept it, you have to do something on your own. Like you have to turn this into something that you're going to uh, make into something yourself and uh, and make yourself successful. Because I, I don't know, I just, I go to apply for jobs and it's like, I feel this like tension, this like stress and I can't, I already know that the answer is no from the get go. Like, and it's like, it puts me down toward the point where I don't even want to apply I don't want to do it and I try not to let those negative thoughts get into my head but it's, it's hard and I know that with my background with I do have an education in my background 
so it makes it easier for me. Um, but when I think about the people who don't, when the people that I was in prison with, it makes me very sad for them because as much as I think that I have it hard or I have an uphill battle, I know that there's other people who have it like so much worse. There's other people who just, who don't have that background, who don't have the supportive family, who didn't have the environment growing up that I had and who didn't even have the opportunities that I had. And so it just feels so unfair and it's, it's, I don't know, it's sad. Uh, my overall experience of getting re into society has been pretty positive for the most part, other than I am on, I am on probation. Um, so that does kind of limit what I can do, uh, which is welcomed to a certain degree for myself. Uh, I don't know, as much as I think I would say, oh, I would get out and be fine. I do kind of like a little stability or a little bit of check-in with my probation officer. I do, uh, maybe not as much as I do have it now, but I would, I do like some kind of being held accountable for my actions, um, at least for a little bit, because it, I did do a long time in there. And uh, not to say I'd go out and do anything crazy, but I would just like to be held accountable for my actions. And that's probably from being in prison for so long, of just having a constant authority over me that to feel a sense of freedom is kind of a little bit scary of, okay, I still want you to just check on me. Just make sure I'm okay. Just check on me a little bit. But, and then some people don't do well with that though. Also probation is kind of like a setup for most people when they get out of prison. If they don't, if they don't welcome that with a positive attitude, they kind of view it as I'll do what I can to get out of it. So. Yeah. Not everyone, like you said, has the resources that you have. I mean, imagine at least here in the probation officers I've worked with, you know, you get out of prison and you have to get a job within 30 days or you have to get housing within 30 days. And if you can't do that for many of the reasons that you spoke about, it can be very stressful for people and can push people into a space where they're like, I don't know how to do this. I'd rather go back. I'd rather not be out here because I don't have the tools. I don't have the skills and I don't have the resources to navigate the expectations. Yeah. So that is uh, the recidivism rate in Florida is so very high. Um, I'm sure in general, it's very high because I've even just being in prison, I saw so many people come back. And they will come back through and we'd be like, what happened? And they'd be like, I don't know. I don't know. And um, I know for drug users, especially, it's, it's very common to see them come back because the rehabilitation part of it didn't happen in prison. Um, they just, you were sober because you had to be sober, not because you wanted to be sober. And even if you didn't want to be sober, you could probably find a way in there. Um, so it's, it's not because they, they wanted to you know, change is because they had to change because they were put in prison. And so people come back, they get out and they, they don't know how to better themselves. They don't know what to do. And it's not something that um, I feel taking advantage of resources that the prison offers, the small amount that they do offer is kind of looked down upon a little bit. I feel like there is a underlying sense of I don't need, I don't need help. I don't, I don't need your help. 
you've done enough, Department of Corrections. Like, you've done enough. I don't need your help. And so the resources that they do offer when you get out of prison, however minimal, most people don't take advantage of them. They're pretty much done with the Department of Corrections, and they want nothing to do with it, which sets it up for failure really if you're if you don't have the right mindset going into it you're you're not going to change you're going to go straight back and and also once you are in the system it is very easy to go back um you could commit something very small uh if they were to go and pulled over by the police i know if i were to get pulled over by the police they would look me up look at my record maybe it was speeding whatever it is um they could look me up and see that i had been to prison um would they try to agitate me would they try to kind of make me feel like threatened or do those kinds of things and that's a I feel like it makes you authority in general people I feel like don't deal with when well if when they get out of prison because they've been told for so long what to do that when they get out they kind of it's not welcomed. And uh, if you don't have the right mindset, you'll just go right back. And it's very easy to go right back once you've already been there. Yeah, Paige, you've talked, a, you've talked with us about the passion you have around mental health um, treatment and care through the prison process and then the reentry process. Can you talk with us a little bit about what, what the component of mental health um, and mental health care is in reentry, and and how you continue to encourage people around you who are getting out to seek help if they can. Right. So mental health for me was very. Um, I I needed help. I needed it, and in prison it's hard to get it. Um, I know after my accident, I went to see a therapist immediately. Uh, because I knew that there was going to be some kind of trauma that was going to, I couldn't recognize it at the moment, but I knew that I needed it because I couldn't even open my mouth without crying. Like I couldn't talk about anything without crying. And I think for the first couple of uh, appointments with my therapist, it was just me crying. Like, I don't think that I actually said anything. And uh, when I got to prison, uh, mental health is looked at as kind of like a, a burden like to go make an appointment to get put on the call out list to go through the whole all the hoops to get seen and then once you get seen you're not you're not really encouraged to tell everything right so if I say anything off-putting by them maybe signaling to them that I might do anything to harm myself or anything like that immediately taken away stripped down put in like a protective gown and put in a cell by yourself um, with nothing, nothing that you could possibly harm yourself with. So right, no, no sheets, no, no anything like that. And so it's, it's not something that is encouraged in prison as much as it should be. It should be a more welcoming, it should be a more welcoming environment and it's not. Um, and it's also taken advantage of by, by people in prison a lot. Uh, people use it as an excuse in there uh, to, to, to get away with, uh, you know, stupid little arguments 
and things like that. I know like if you get into an argument with somebody and you claim, oh, I'm, I'm going to hurt myself, they take you down there and it's kind of looked at as a joke. It's kind of looked at as be for real. You're not really going to kill yourself. You're fine. And um, it's, it's just not encouraged and it's kind of got its own stigmatism of, of oh, you're the, you're the crazy one. Right. So you're the crazy person. You're you go see mental health and you get put on a list that the entire compound sees when you go to an appointment. It says your name, where you live, what dorm, mental health. And it's kind of like, wow, that's so great. Thank you for broadcasting that to the entire prison. Um, And since I've gotten out, mental health, like I said, my highlight of my week is talking to my therapist. Every Monday I talk to her and it's something that a lot of people don't take advantage of. Um, It's something that people think that they can do on their own. And a lot of times you can't. Uh, It's something that you can't just talk to your friends about, right? Um, You can't, like I can't talk to my family about those kinds of things um, because I need somebody who understands the way that I'm thinking. I need somebody who has a kind of a, an unbiased opinion about me and sees me for, for really who I am and not so much of what happened to me, but more so the way that I think and the way that the trauma has made me think. And it's so important. It's so important. And I encourage everybody that I was in prison with, that I'm still in contact with, I encourage them to go see a therapist or to just take advantage of any kind of mental health resources. Um, I know uh, therapy can be expensive. So I know there's other options. Um, There's other resources like in different, I know we have um, my therapist, actually we have a a community organization here where like if, if you don't have a job or if you don't get have money or things like that like they do like little to no cost of going and see like a community therapist and it's something that's dear to me because a lot of people who get out of prison I've seen so many people die um from drug use it's um a lot of the people in prison are there because of drugs um, right, so you have your violent crimes, but the majority of them are in there because of addiction, and it's a hard thing to overcome. And I saw girls get out of prison and within 24 hours be dead um, from an overdose. It's something that is very uh, prevalent in prisons uh, of getting out and to kind of just falling back into the pit of things. And if you you don't if you if you choose to not fall into that pit and then you make it out but most people do most people can't find a way to get out of it and it's so important to kind of dig deep down and kind of know yourself and figure yourself out and know why you do the things that you do and addiction is one of the hardest things to get out of think of all those all of those demons that are going on in your head combine them with the demons from prison and take the stresses of prison itself and then to get out and not know what to do with that is hard and so I just 
it's so important for me because I became close with those people you know what I mean like my friends in prison are very dear to my heart and to get out and see people struggling and to see people not taking it seriously and just thinking that it's all going to be okay uh it's it's rough for me I mean, two things that you just brought up now are, I think, two of the biggest public health issues that we'll see in our lifetime, which is mental health and addiction and how they both work together. Um, I have always said that I think that if you didn't come into prison with trauma, you would probably leave with trauma um, because there's the trauma of whatever happened before you got to prison, um, which is usually a lot of chaos, a lot of stress, a lot of pretty horrible things. That's usually what's leading up to prison. And then the actual experience of punishment, which you were talking about, um, you know, not so much rehabilitation, but here is your time. Um, so go do your time because that's what you deserve. The options, it sounds like from where you did time were pretty limited as far as like what you could actually do with your time. I think some facilities, um, states vary a lot, but some facilities have a lot more programs. You were talking about Toastmasters, for example, um, which is a program designed to help with like public speaking and like lots of other skills. Um, but a lot of people don't have the opportunity or they don't wanna be committed to that opportunity or they don't wanna be tracked or expected to do much um, or they don't wanna be like connected with the system in any way, which makes sense. So there's a lot to sort through when you get out. Um, even if you didn't, you know, whether you got therapy or support in, on the inside or not, there's a lot to sort out. Um, once you get out. And so it sounds like you're fortunate you have a therapist, you have someone that you trust. Do you see the same person that you saw before you were incarcerated or are those two different people? No, yeah, those are two different people. Uh, my therapist from before I went to prison is, I just didn't, I didn't want to go back to that. I felt like she, I not that she wouldn't be professional, but I just felt that she would kind of compare me or bring up comparisons of how I was and how I am now. And there's no going back to that person that I was like that, that person, there's no going back to that. Um, so I kind of just wanted a fresh start. So I got a, a new therapist and I did it through the community people. Uh, I actually only pay like $12 per session. And since we've been on home confinement, I haven't had to pay anything. She puts me on a FaceTime call every Monday and it's, perfect um so while I do have a job I, I you know I still if therapy is important I mean therapy is expensive so while I do have a job I have other things and so that's not if it wasn't readily available to me it, it wouldn't be something that I could uh readily obtain for myself if it wasn't so affordable for me I mean I think just think you're incredible Paige I think the work that you've done on yourself is is incredible prison or not, you're talking to two therapists who, speaking for myself, I go to therapy, it's hard work. And I have never been to prison and it's hard work to do work on yourself. And, you know, I think you're, you're incredibly inspiring and, and the commitment to yourself and navigating the world in a way where you feel good about shows. So I'm, you know, I can't, I can't say enough how impressed I am and you're six months out of prison on a long sentence and you are committed to continuing to work on yourself. 
Yeah, I, I try to I try to work on myself. It's funny because my boyfriend will say, um, "Why is this so hard for us?" Like, because we will, we will argue and we'll do these things, and I'll say, "Because we are not perfect people, and I am so far from perfect, right? You can't expect two traumatized people in their lives to come together and have this glorious uh, relationship." Because I myself bring enough issues to the relationship to make it hard, like. There's a lot to work on, and I think if if I wanted to live this life of where I don't accept it, I don't dig deep and find out what hurts the way I could, I could just gloss over it and act like I'm fine. Um, but it goes so much deeper than that. So I I feel like it's it's very important to figure out uh, the things that go on in my head or the the issues that I have come from somewhere. And they're they're most likely prison, but I I feel like for me it's important to get down to it. And once I realize why I have thoughts or or why I do things or why I I choose to do things, um, the reasoning behind it. And that's what my therapist helps me with is is why did you do that? Like let's go back and figure out why you did that. And if you don't like the result, you can change it because now you know why you did it. And, and we can work on that. So working on myself is uh, is very important to me and not just kind of glossing over and making my life look, oh, I got out of prison. I'm doing great. I'm doing fine. You know, like it's, it's something that I'll continue to do to take a better look at myself um, and kind of get a better understanding of the things that I went through. And, and use those in a positive way to kind of guide myself into a, a my successful life that I like to I would like to have, and kind of find a career for myself that complements myself. Paige, can you share some of the amazing things you've done, not only in prison but since you've been released, um, and what you hope to see for yourself in, over the next year or five years? What your goals are? Um, I really want to highlight all the incredible work that you've done, not only for yourself, but for the community. Well, I'll start in prison. One of my main accomplishments that I am so very proud of is I was a puppy trainer uh, for a service dog organization. And he is my pride and joy. (laughs) He actually didn't make it into, he, he was taken out of the program uh, because he was afraid of cars, which is, is uh, easy for me to see because he was in prison where there's no cars. Um, so when he finally saw a car, he freaked out. But his name is Townsend, and he was my first puppy that I raised in prison, and uh, he meant a lot to me. Uh, he was, I get emotional whenever I talk about this dog, it's crazy. Uh, but it, he was for me a way of feeling like I'm doing something. Um, like this isn't all for nothing like I'm gonna uh, raise this puppy and he is going to take care of somebody out there he's gonna change somebody's life and so Townsend did not become a service dog I had another dog named Nermal she did become a certified service dog and she has a recipient and uh, so that being uh, a puppy trainer was something that was very important to me Um, I did join Toastmasters like I said before I did a lot of classes in prison, just like different courses to get certificates from. But since I've been out, I go to, well, before the virus, I went to high schools 
um, on the weekends, on Saturdays for their driver's ed courses. I go there and kind of share my story, um, kind of getting to them before they get out on the road um, to kind of show them that your choices that you make have consequences. And that doesn't just relate to driving. While my accident was related to driving, I think that a story of choices have repercussions, um, things that you don't even imagine, right? So I tell them that it was one choice that I made and I did not have a full scope of what was going to happen, but now I do. And it's so, it's so much more than I ever thought was going to happen that one night that I made that decision. And, and it, it actually makes me happy to see the kids kind of respond in the way that they do. Um, they're very, they ask a lot of questions. <laughs> some very out there questions but I expect that from kids uh, but a lot of them are very interested and I hope that if they're ever in that situation um, of being in the car with uh, a drunk driver or a distracted driver or anything like that I hope that they you know look back and say wow like this girl was up there uh, pouring her heart out I, I get up there and I cry and I'm, I'm very emotional when I talk about it and I hope that they see that. So that's something that's really important to me is talking to kids and getting out there. We did a driver's ed conference where we talked to the, the teachers themselves. It was about 300 people. And um, as much as I see the kids cry, the kids are crying when I'm going into the high schools. Uh, we're at this conference and you've got, you know, adults in there. And it was actually me and two of my close friends standing up there telling our stories and the room I could just hear sobs and crying and and that that makes me feel like I'm not doing this just for nothing that like I can turn this story into something positive um that I can take this experience of prison however bad it may be and kind of use it to impact other people and my my message I guess when I go in there is uh kind of uh your like i said your choices have consequences um whether they're good choices or bad choices they all have consequences and so to just kind of taking uh taking responsibility for your actions uh is something that's really big for me something that uh matters to me uh, in a person in general is to be able to take responsibility for your actions I think my biggest contribution is that I am an aunt to the most amazing niece in the world now, who I wasn't there when she was born, which is probably, it's, it's super heartbreaking for me to even think about. Uh, they actually named her after me. So her name is Aviana Page. She is just like the whole light of my world at this point. I don't have kids, so I look at her like she is just amazing to me. Uh, so I, I think my biggest thing is that I get to be here for my family now, right? So. Uh, I've missed a lot of time. I have a brother, I have two brothers, um, but my younger brother lives here with me and I wasn't there for his life much. So being able to be there now matters to me a lot. Uh, you know, just something that I missed out on when I was in prison. I missed out on his life a lot. And uh, it's, it's nice to have that now. And what about other goals? Where do you see yourself in one year? What about five years when you're looking in the future? Right. So let's think one year from now, I would like, so my goal is to have 
I would love to be, if I could like see my name in 10 years from now, I would love to be like, um, like a motivational speaker, like a successful speaker to go around and kind of share my story. And not so much, I want, I want to turn it into not so much of my accident of what happened, more so how to overcome trauma, to take what you're given and kind of make it into something positive, right? So not everybody goes to prison, but I think that obstacles is a, is a, uh, something that everybody can relate to. Um, and you don't have to go to prison to know trauma. So it's, it's something to know of how to get over, how to accept it, how to deal with it and how to overcome it. And so that's where I would love to see myself on a, on a broad scale of things. I would love to see myself be a motivational speaker um, while still going to like look kids in high schools and still kind of doing like an outreach. Um, one year from now, I would love to be, I'd love to get my own place. That would be something that would be very, um, uh, it would be a, a good moment for me to feel like I'm not still, I, sometimes I feel like a child really uh, living with my parents because I can't get a place. So I know me and my boyfriend are looking into places and things like that. And so living on my own, um, maybe finding a job where I feel, feel like I'm more qualified to do. Uh, I work as a, as a, in a restaurant right now as a server, and I, I do love being a server, uh, but I just know that I can do more. So I'd like to see myself in a job where I can do more. I'd like to at least have like one. I, I set a goal for myself uh, why when I first got out of prison was a year from when I first got out was I at least want to have like one paid speaking gig, like one paid one. And, you know, I'll do all the other ones for free. I do the free ones all the time, but I think that that would be a, a uh, a milestone for me is to have like at least one gig to where I could kind of, you know, build my, build it off of. That's so awesome. And I'm, I'm glad that this can be a platform for people to hopefully hear your story and hear how inspiring and motivating you are. Is there anything Paige that we haven't talked about or touched on that you want to share with our listeners? Well, if, if you're tr- I've, I've listened to your, your other podcast and I assume that the people who are, who are listening have a pretty open mind, uh, you know, so I just, what's so important for me is for people to understand that it's not, it's not only like, how do I word this? It, it can happen to anybody, right? So it's important to know that it can happen to anybody. It can, going to prison is something that can happen to anybody. And so to judge somebody based off of that, I feel like my mom, when I went to prison, she told me that if this would have never happened to her, she would have a whole, she would never see a whole different side of prison and of like people who go to prison. Uh, obviously she never thought that her daughter would go to prison, but here I was. And so it kind of, it goes to the point of that it can happen to anybody. And I don't think it's a reason to judge people. I think that you should give people second chances. I think that a second chance is something that everybody deserves and you should not be defined by 
the choices that you've made in the past, whether it was a mistake or it was, I don't think that you should be judged on something that you did, made a choice. I don't think that that's something that needs to stick with you. I think when you ask, when does your sentence end, I would, I want it to be when you're let out of prison. I would love for that to be the end of when your sentence ends. It, unfortunately, it's not. Um, but with people having a better understanding of the criminal justice system and the way that it works and the people that are inside of prison, I think that it gives people a better understanding that we are people too. Um, everybody in there is not a murderer or not the, not an idea that you have in your head. You see these shows and you think, these are animals, like these are animals in there. And even the murderers, they're not animals in my eyes. Um, I'm friends with a lot of them. So it's, it's a, it's a stigmatism of it. And I think that the more people become accepting of people coming re into society, things get better. Well, and even people who have made really awful decisions or hurt people or created a lot of destruction in the community, those people are most likely going to be released back to the community at some point. Over 90% of people who are incarcerated are going to be releasing back. And so I think that you're right, that I think it's in the community's best interest to consider how do we embrace those folks? How do we help people? How do we give second chances? I've always said that I believe in third chances and seventh chances and tenths 10th chances because sometimes that's what people need um, to get better. So it's not always the first shot. Um, it's great if it is, but it's not always that case, especially when we're talking about mental health or addiction or other things like crime. So um, Paige, I really appreciate you taking time to talk with us today, share your story again, because I know you're already sharing your story in the community. Um, but I really appreciate you being so humble and so honest with us. And I know that your story is going to reach people on our show. So I really thank you. Oh, thank you guys for having me.